We'll hear argument next in number 91-122, PFZ Properties, Inc. versus Rene Alberto Rodriguez. Spectators are admonished to refrain from talking while in the courtroom. The court remains in session. Mr. Rikiki, am I pronouncing your name correctly? That's correct, Mr. Chief Justice. <clears throat> Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, the matter before you involves the deprivation of a landowner's right to pursue a use of his property, a use which was approved more than 15 years ago by the Planning Board of Puerto Rico and upheld on the merits by the Puerto Rican courts. Deprivation occurred in August of 1988 when senior officials of the Puerto Rican Permits Authority, that is the respondent ARPE, denied PFC a construction permit and dismissed its project. PFD alleges that the dismissal is actionable under 42 U.S.C. Section 1983 and that it deprived PFC of a protected interest under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment and that it was a result of behavior by officials acting under color of state law which was not rationally related to a legitimate state objective. The conduct which gave rise to PFC's claim was the deliberate refusal by ARPE to review and process a set of construction drawings which PFC had submitted to the agency in order to obtain a construction permit. This was accompanied by the dismissal of ARPE's project based on the deliberate review of another different set of drawings which ARPE knew to be the wrong drawings. Mr. Rikiki, let me make sure I understand where you're drawing your facts from. The uh, district court granted a motion to dismiss. That's correct. We're here on a 12B6. And therefore, ordinarily, we would take the well-pleaded facts in the complaint. That's correct. Your there Honor. was a pretrial order entered, was there not? That is correct, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, uh, are, uh, what is your position with respect to whether that order may be relied on or not for facts uh, in deciding the legal question? Mr. Chief Justice, it is well settled law that the pretrial order uh, acts as an amendment to the original amended complaint and, and is an uh, effect of pleading in and of itself. We raised that issue on a rehearing with the Court of Appeals. It said that because that issue had not been raised originally in, in the, uh, uh, the briefs before the Court, that it was uh, not going to consider that in its determination. However, it, it said in the alternative that had it looked at the pretrial order, that its opinion would not have changed. Uh, the, I think the Court is free to consider the pretrial order if uh, it, it deems that it, in fact, has amended the uh, complaint in, in connection with the uh, well-settled law. Well, we do not it, think it, you need to, to go that far in order it, to rule in our favor. So the, you are not drawing your statement of facts that you make to us then from the pretrial order as well as from the complaint? Well, the pretrial order, uh, we would rely on the amended complaint, uh, Mr. Chief Justice. The pretrial order does reflect uh, the state of the record when the case was dismissed and therefore in drawing reasonable inferences in favor of 
the, uh, the uh, plaintiff, we believe that it is uh, context and does provide guidance as to what reasonable inferences were appropriate. Well, that, that is not, to me, an entirely satisfactory answer to my question. You're uh, stating uh, the certain facts happened. They were, the planning board re- deliberately read the wrong set of plans. That's correct. Is all of that derived simply from the amended complaint, or are you relying at least in part on, on the pretrial order? Some of the facts that we have relied upon are reflected in the pretrial order. They're also reflected in the admissions that have been made in the papers before this court and before the Court of Appeals. And, uh, but, but we believe that the amended complaint is sufficient to state a claim. Well, it may be sufficient to state a claim, but when, when you give us these statement of facts, are you relying on anything that can only be divined from the pretrial order? Well, don't, don't. No, I don't believe so. I, I believe these facts are reflected in the amended complaint and, and the reasonable inferences that can be drawn therefrom. May I just be sure of one thing? For uh, The amended complaint you're referring to is at page 131 of the appendix. There's only one amended complaint. Is that right? That's correct. And where is the pretrial order? I do not believe the pretrial order was made part of the appendix uh, by the parties. So we really don't want to rely on that, then, if we can't have it before us. Right. Uh, PFC uh, had timely filed the required drawings in February of 1982 for art-based processing and review. ARPA did not act on the drawings until six years later, and then only after PFC had sued the agency. Reviewing the wrong drawings, senior ARPA officials concluded, six years after the fact, that PFC had not submitted any construction drawings in 1982, and having missed the deadline for submission, the entire project would be dismissed. PFC submits that this deliberate action cannot be construed to be rationally related to a legitimate state purpose. Now, you're relying here on a a substantive due process violation? That's correct, Justice O'Connor. We didn't grant cert, I guess, on any procedural due process issue. We requested that the court review this case because of the procedural due process violations that we alleged below. Uh, The court declined to accept that. uh, issue, so we are, are here on the substantive due process issues, but well, yes, on the, the, on the substantive uh, due process issue, do you have to allege um, a property right in receiving the permit? We believe construction permit. Uh, we believe that the that there is a property right that is protected and falls within the uh, due process component. To of receive that. the construction permit, the, the property right to receive the construction permit. I would ar- articulate it uh, differently, uh, just as well. Would you answer my question and then you can articulate whatever you want? Is there a right to receive a construction permit under Puerto Rico law? Yes, there is. And what is that law? Could I have the citation, please? That was uh, the law that was cited was uh, in our reply brief at note five, page four, and it indicates that when the planning board has acted uh, and approved a project, there is a vested right that uh, accrues. That's 23 laws of Puerto Rico annotated uh, section 71, and I believe the the full citation is in our uh, brief at. Oh, five, page four. The, the planning board, having made the policy determination that the use was approved, uh, the ministerial function of the permitting agency was to issue the permit and effectuate that use. 
If the permit was not issued, then the rights that were granted by the planning board had no effect. Therefore, our, uh, in answer to your question, in this particular circumstance, we would, we would say that there is a property right. We would also you say that the law that you cite makes clear that it, uh, there's no discretion at that stage in granting the permit, that you have a right to receive the construction permit. Yes, the, the, if the required drawings it's ministerial are ministerial only. That is correct. In fact, I would point out that under the current regulations as, as, and the current law, as the respondents pointed out in their brief, these drawings are not even reviewed uh, before a permit is issued by the agency, although the agency does re- reserve that right to do it on a, on a spot basis. But uh, the, the task is such that the, the agency no longer even reviews these drawings. It's the uh, engineer just certifies that they are appropriate. And I, I would take it this substantive due process inquiry uh, does not depend upon any showing that there was a taking of property. Uh, I, and by that I mean a taking of the real property that's in question. Justice O'Connor, if, if we're talking about a taking within the meaning of the, uh, the Fifth Amendment... Well, that's Justice I'm, Kennedy. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize to the Court. Justice Kennedy, uh, I was thinking of my answer rather than... Uh, the, the due process clause is distinct from the uh, takings clause, and we would submit that in this particular instance there are two uh, uh, different uh, potential claims. The one that has been asserted is the due process claim, the difference being that, as the Court pointed out in the first English opinion, takings involves otherwise proper conduct by the government which interferes with property. Here we are talking about misconduct, and in that sense we do not believe that the complaint that we have alleged involves uh, a takings claim. Uh, not that one couldn't be presented, but uh, under these circumstances, we are talking about misconduct, and that implicates the due process clause. Well, I, I take it inverse condemnation can sometime arise from improper governmental action? Under yeah, the, takings clause. The, the court has said that uh, in the takings context, that sometimes regulation can go too far if, the, if there is a, an improper exercise of the police power. But I think uh, the court has also made clear that there can be an improper exercise of the police power with respect to a substantive due process claim. And in this particular instance, we believe that there was an improper exercise of the police power in an adjudicatory setting and that uh, implicates the due process clause. As I recall the Court of Appeals' opinion in this case, they did not agree with you as to your submission as to the law of Puerto Rico, that that law was so flat-out ministerial that it would cre- that you had a, a substantive right to a permit once your uh, development project had gotten to the stage it did. I, I think the... As I recall the opinion, uh, Mr. Chief Justice, what, what the Court of Appeals said was they were assuming the existence of the property right and even assuming the existence of the property right under Puerto Rican law that they did not feel that there was uh, a claim that had been stated. So as far as the, the court below was concerned, both the district court and the Court of Appeals assumed the existence of a property right. Uh, of, the, of the type of property right which Justice O'Connor questioned you about, do you think? That is, uh, well, I, I don't think the court was that specific, but I have to assume that that's uh, what they're referring to when they said we assumed that. Well, the, the Court of Appeals right. actually said more than that. It said it, it isn't all, all that clear whether there's a property right or not. under. Puerto I believe that's law. correct. And uh, <clears throat> do you suppose uh, that, uh, do you suppose the, uh, the exi- 
is it open in this court? Is the question open in this court as to whether there is a property right under Puerto Rican law in the construction permit? Or do we have to, is the only issue before us is if there is a property right, was it taken? I think the only issue is the, is the latter. If there was a property right, was it taken? This court has said in, in, uh, in the state of Washington versus Robert that the right to devote one's land to uh, a legitimate use is property within the protection of the Constitution. Uh, the court has more recently said in the Nolan case that the right to build on one's property is not even remotely uh, something along the lines of a government benefit. That there is a right to build on one's property, and that arose in the constitutional context. Well, but the, the, <coughs> the, the stated that, that flatly, that there is a right to build on one's property. I mean, you have to add any number of qualifications to that. Uh, there is not a, a right to build an eight-story uh, office building on property that's zoned for single-family residences. That, that is exactly correct, uh, Mr. Chief Justice. The protected right at he, here at issue derives from the ownership of the land, since the right to use the land is one of the most basic sticks in the bundle of land ownership. The Puerto Rico, in the uh, uh, statutes that we have cited, recognizes the right to build on one's property and recognizes the right to make use of one's property. Well, Mr. Mr. Akiki, I'm having trouble seeing where you draw the line between the property right that you are now describing, I think you're describing, and the property right which you described in answer to Justice O'Connor's question. Because I understood your answer to her question to be that the property right you claimed, the denial of which you claim, was the property uh, in the permit. You had a right to get that permit, and that was denied. And yet, as I read your allegations, principally those sort of 36 through, through 40 in the complaint, I read them uh, as referring to uh, an underlying or antecedent right that I think you're talking about now, the right to use one's land. And in answer to Justice O'Connor's question, I thought you were narrowing the inquiry and saying, no, the right here is just the right to get the permit, having fulfilled certain conditions under Puerto Rico law. But now it seems to me that you're arguing what I thought your complaint argued, uh, an underlying right to use one's property, uh, permit system or no permit system. Which, which, which is it? It is the right that you've described, the underlying right to use one's property. What I was uh, pointing out in response to Justice O'Connor's uh, inquiry was that there is also a property right under Puerto Rican law, but the pr- right upon which we rely is the underlying right to use one's land, and we believe okay. that the Court has indicated that is within the protection and, and you, process. And w- would you, I think you agree, but I want to be sure, that your complaint does not set out allegations from which on its face, if we accept them, one could say that you had, had, uh, had claimed a substantive entitlement to this particular permit. Your claim, rather, is they just didn't process it right. They, they delayed, and therefore they denied me the underlying right. Is, is that a fair characterization? I think it goes to more than delay because there was a denial of the permit after a legitimate use had been recognized. But you, you, don't, you don't claim in, in, uh, in express terms in your complaint uh, that you had uh, on the merits met every condition necessary to get that permit. That's, that's not I, what you rely on. I believe we do indicate, if the court needs to go that far, we did indicate that the required drawings had been submitted such that a permit could issue. 
So uh, then, I, then, to I, the extent then I guess you're claiming both kinds of rights. We believe we should prevail on both rights. That's correct. Uh, if, if it's the right that you have identified or if it's the right that Justice O'Connor has identified, we believe they're both present in this instance. And we would submit that uh, in, in using uh, or, or making use of the land, that uh, Puerto Rico can subject us to legitimate uh, restrictions under the police power, but that police power is in and of itself subject to legitimate uh, restrictions that have been recognized under the Due Process Clause. And that, in fact, is, is where we believe the right has arisen. May we I ask this question? Yes. To the extent that you're relying on your response to Justice O'Connor, a specific right to have specific drawings and project approved, uh, why isn't a, a state law remedy an adequate protection for that? Why do you have to come into federal court to get that right protected? Well, it, in response to that question, we believe that this Court has indicated under Zinnerman that the federal remedy is supplementary so that we are not required in the substantive due process context to first make use of state remedies, and we would submit that that is the appropriate rule. I believe one but circuit you, But you did uh, resort to state remedies, didn't you? Yes, we did. Uh, and you were turned down. We sought reconsideration before the agency, advising them, as the Court uh, below said, unequivocally that they had reviewed the wrong drawings. The agency proceeded to review the exact same wrong drawings and affirm its opinion. We then sought discretionary review before the Puerto Rican courts uh, of that administrative decision, and uh, the Puerto Rican courts declined to exercise their discretionary review. So we did have a final decision. We sought administrative uh, reconsideration that was denied. You even we went, to the, our you went to the Supreme Court, too, didn't you? Uh, that was uh, a different circumstance. Oh. Well, yes, we did. And uh, previously, we had been to the Supreme Court with respect to the planning board approval, and the, and the Supreme Court approved the planning board's approval, and that was uh, some 10 years before. This, this matter has been... Uh, uh, we've been seeking to develop and, and pursue this property for almost uh, 30 years now. But maybe you're not required to exhaust. I'm, I'm, I understand your argument there, but are you, in effect, saying to us that, that your right is so clear that if we had gone into state court, we clearly would have won? No, we, uh, we, we, could have not, we could not have won because the record was corrupted. The, the uh, Puerto Rican uh, courts exercised discretionary review, which only looks to issues of law, accepting the administrative record uh, on the basis of what has been presented by the agency. In that particular circumstance, the agency looked at the wrong drawings and said, these are the correct drawings. It is undisputed that they cannot be confused. But you filed, a, you filed an action in the Puerto Rican Circuit Court, or whatever the name of the tribunal is, making these allegations, didn't you, that they looked at the wrong drawings? Uh, we, we did bring an action in the Puerto Rican Court asking them to exercise their discretionary review. And, uh, the, and, and, they just did, and they just didn't give you any judicial relief at all, or did they rule on the merits that they looked at the right drawing? The, it is, I would uh, compare the procedure to petitioning for certiorari before this court and it being denied. There is uh, nothing indicated, just the uh, case uh, is, is not going to be heard. That's its discretionary review, and that is my understanding of the, uh, the decision that was rendered. Uh, we believe that... Uh, as I've mentioned, that the, uh, the court in the land use context, going back as far as the seminal decision in Euclid and re related cases, Nectow and the state of Washington versus Robert, which we have cited, has recognized that the use of one's property, one's land specifically in this instance, 
is something which falls within the protection of the Constitution. We believe it is. It sounds like you're trying to make a takings claim dressed up as a due process claim. I'm still confused about what it is you're claiming. It's just, um, it is totally unclear to me what it is you're really claiming here and what property you say uh, has been uh, taken and what is the nature of the claim. Justice O'Connor, we do not allege that any property has been taken. We allege that a property right protected by the Due Process Clause has been deprived. Again, I would draw the distinction between the taking and the deprivation, I think. The property as proposed by your clients. No, it is not an absolute right. It is a right to pursue a legitimate use which is subject to reasonable restrictions under the police power. When the planning board uh, exercised its discretion... What you really quarrel with is that you didn't get adequate procedural due process. That is a question... That's what really sounds to me like you're saying, that Puerto Rico, uh, the Constitution requires Puerto Rico, if they're going to deny you a permit, to... uh, review it and uh, have some reason for the denial. I I would uh, uh, respectfully disagree. We could have, in this particular instance, we could have had all the due process, procedural due process we wanted. If they continue to look at the wrong drawings and decided to act as arbitrarily as they did and to say we're looking at this and it is, is something other than what it is, all the procedural due process, all the hearings in the world uh, ultimately would not have helped us. What we're complaining about here is an act of deprivation. We had a right which had been recognized by the planning board to develop that property. It was upheld by the Puerto Rican courts on the merits and the Puerto Rican Supreme Court. When we went to the ministerial agency and said, here are the required drawings, and we, that's as we have alleged in the complaint, the, the agency under its uh, directive was to review those, and if they were the required drawings, it was to issue the permit. Was it still open under Puerto Rican law to Puerto Rico to set aside this area for uh, some kind of uh, wildlife preserve or something of the sort? Puerto Rico certainly could have enacted legislation to do that. The governor is empowered under certain circumstances to exercise his emergency powers if he thinks there's a danger to uh, the public. And in this particular instance, the legislature neither acted nor did the governor exercise well, his... That would have required a taking of a co- condemnation of your land if they're going to turn it into a wildlife reserve. That would have required otherwise proper conduct, Mr. Chief Justice, as this court said, and, and that is not what was present here. If, if Puerto Rico wants to uh, take that property, they certainly can do it by legitimate means. However, what happened here were, were senior officials uh, acted arbitrarily and in violation of the law and with... Uh, what can only be uh, believed to be bad faith, and uh, denied us a permit. And what is your best case for the proposition that the uh, bad faith manipulation of procedural uh, uh, processes constitutes a substantive violation? I, I think there is bad faith uh, manipulation of, of procedures in this case because Puerto Rico did not... What's your best case from this court, if if there is one, uh, indicating that 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 kind of manipulation 
uh, constitutes not a procedural due process violation, but a substantive due process violation? Would, uh, I would return to my response to Justice O'Connor's inquiry, which I think was the same. No matter what procedures were provided, in this particular circumstance, we were not going to get a permit because they were going to look at the wrong drawings and say that you had never submitted the correct drawings. So it's not a matter of procedure. The, this is perhaps the, the easiest case and the most blatant case of arbitrary conduct to understand. They simply refused to look at what was in front of them and called it something else. Well, think, Based on that statement, what's, your, what's the, the, the clearest authority from this court that supports your position? I think this court has laid out the standard for evaluating that quite but clearly. But you uh, you, you've been asked to cite a particular case. What is your best case? You've been asked three times now. I, I think Ewing lays out the standard to be applied in that particular instance, and the Euclid, Nectow, and State of Washington cases, all uh, State of Washington versus Robert, all recognize that there is a protected interest within the due process clause. Ewing was a, uh, an 8 to 1 decision by this court in which it laid out the standards and it indicated that uh, bad faith, the lack of a genuine decision, I think, was, as it was at the heart of the court's decision there. And I think that is, is present here without a doubt. There was not a genuine decision. Weren't those all cases uh, where the allegation was that there was a taking under the takings clause? No, Ewing was a, specifically a case in which this court assumed that there was a uh, substantive due process protected property interest. And in that case, what the court said was, there is, if there is a question as to whether the decision, the adjudicatory decision, was genuine, if there's a question as to whether it's in good faith, if there's a question as to whether judgment was, in fact, exercised by the decision-makers, then you would, have, you would meet the test for a due process violation. What's, but, what's the name of the other party in the Ewing case? I'm sorry, it's the uh, Board of Regents of Mich the University of Michigan versus uh, Ewing I, I apologize. The case in which we rejected the substantive due process. That's correct. Uh, it, it, it isn't cited in your table of authorities. It uh, is a case which... This is your best case and it's, it's not cited? I, the court's indulgence. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's principally... I apologize to the court. It's Regents of the University of Michigan. Oh, Regents. And it is a principally relied upon okay. case. Uh, we've cited past them throughout the, uh, the brief. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that is the case that we would point out, uh, or we point to, which establishes the standard. Just briefly, if I can describe Ewing, there the court assumed the existence of a property interest. It was uh, a claim that there was a right to university enrollment. And I think what uh, the court says, we don't know if that rises to the level of, uh, of due process. But uh, we will uh, uh, pr present the standard, and we think we fit within that standard. Mr. Rikiki, who, who, are, the, who are the senior officials that, you, uh, that are involved here that you claim acted uh, uh, arbitrarily or in bad faith? This is the administrator of the agency who is no longer there. There is who was a gentleman also who was the regional administrator, who is now the deputy administrator, mm -hmm. and uh, certain other assistant administrators, all senior officials of... Of Mr. Rikiki, if instead of uh, having the equivalent of cert denied when you went into the Puerto Rican courts, the court had taken the, the case, it considered your claim that they looked at the wrong drawings and had rejected you in bad faith for that reason and had said no, uh, they looked at the right drawings. We find that as a fact. And based on the right drawings, uh, they, they had a right to, to reject, the, um, uh, to reject the, the permit that you were asking for, deny the permit that you were asking for. 
And you leave the court saying the court got it wrong. The drawings were the wrong ones, and if they'd looked at the right ones, we would have been entitled to the permit. Would you have a substantive due process claim to bring here or to bring into a federal court? I understand the hypothetical correctly. Uh, I believe we would because the the remedy under the uh, due pro under Section 1983 is supplementary. It is not uh, uh, derivative, and therefore, if in fact there has been misconduct, and this is just the sort of thing that. Uh, uh, 1983 was intended to prevent. If there has been misconduct by the state and you can't get a fair hearing within the state, then you have access to the federal remedy. So, but you're, instead, you're, you're calling a fair hearing and an unfair hearing what could also, and I think would normally be described as, an, as a claimed erroneous hearing. Most people okay. who get turned down I, something I wrong, uh, and, and that does not make it an unfair hearing. I understand. And it seems to me in my hypo, it, it, the, the, the state of Puerto Rico, the, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, uh, is assuming that you have a property interest there subject to adjudication, and it is giving you process to adjudicate it. You are dissatisfied with the result, and you may even be right that they're wrong. Uh, but would that state a substantive due process uh, violation simply to say they got it wrong? No, mere mistakes, errors in judgment, or uh, where there's not some deliberate attempt to uh, deprive us of the right through an arbitrary, and, uh, through arbitrary means not rationally related to a, a legitimate purpose. And then, uh, under those circumstances, uh, if it's a mistake or a good faith error or uh, some misjudgment, then I don't think we would have stated. And does, does your claim, therefore, here boil down to the fact that they did not give you any process at all, uh, and instead simply simply denied your opportunity to appeal on the merits? That would be part of it, uh, but we but we were denied. There was a decision by the agency denying us a use. Uh, I, I don't know if I would look to the appeal as, uh, as where the action, the complaint of action occurred. Thank you, Mr. Rikiki. Uh, Ms. Ramirez, we'll hear now from you. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. I would like to start my, my exposition uh, going back to what Justice Souter was, was asking Mr. Rikiki. This case from the very beginning has dealt with his claim, with petitioner's claim, that he has a property interest in a construction permit. It has, if, if we look at the record of the case, all throughout the briefings from the district court on to the Court of Appeals, never ever did petitioner rely on this zoning cases from the beginning of the century. There's no mention of Necto, no mention of the Roberge case, no mention of Village of, of Euclid. This has always been considered by both courts below as a claim that the denial of a construction permit violated both his due process rights, procedural due process rights, his rights to substantive due process, and his equal protection rights. So I, I don't think there's anything in the amended complaint that, that would lead us to, to believe that he's arguing uh, anything other than, uh, than he has a right uh, to a construction permit. And our position is that he has not cited to any statute or any regulation or any provision in Puerto Rico law uh, to, to, to demonstrate, that is, he has not pressed the argument that because he did, as the statute provide, he was anywhere near 
the moment where he could get a permit. Well, Ms. Ramirez, I, I asked this question and uh, was referred, I believe, to note 5 on page 4 of the reply brief and the citation to certain laws and regulations in Puerto Rico that the petitioner says make clear that ARPA, if that's what we're calling it, um, lacked any discretion other than to determine whether the construction drawings had been assembled and submitted and that they were required by Puerto Rican law to grant the permit. Well, it is not correct as a matter of law, Your Honor. The only, uh, I, I don't have it in my memory, what is it he was citing in the reply brief. Of course, this is after we made a comment in our respondent's brief that he had not pressed an argument that he could derive the property interest from state law. And he's citing to what he calls history. History of, of, of the statute, but the only, uh, conceivably, the only statute in Puerto Rico, the only disposition of of, of positive law that he could rely on is the one that was examined by the district court in the opinion and order. It is page 481, and the joint, in the joint appendix, says, our pay shall issue the corresponding permit based on the compliance with the regulations provided in this section, and that is 23 Puerto Rico laws annotated, section 42C. Again, our argument is uh, we have to indulge uh, the petitioner with all favorable inferences that will derive, reasonably derive, from his pleadings because the procedural stance of the case is uh, on review on a motion to dismiss. But he, the, the petitioner has studiously avoided to recite the facts of what happened after he made an original submission of plans to ARPI. The, the complaint has a chronological uh, recitation of facts coming from the planning board, which is a different agency. But when he goes to ARPE and he gets preliminary approval for a set of construction drawings, he does not, there are no allegations from which we could derive the idea that, that the permit process was somehow so far along or uh, he had progressed through the progressive steps so that ARPE would have no uh, discretion to withhold the permit. Well, is it your view that ARPA has um, a, a wide range of discretion in reviewing construction drawings, whether to grant the permit or not, even when the planning board has issued its approval? Yes, Your Honor, that is our position, and in our brief, in response, uh, respondent's brief, this is a, we, we cited to the precise uh, statutory provisions that, that should indicate to the court that our base is a separate agency. Uh, the planning board will approve the use of land for a, uh, of undeveloped land for certain purposes. It gives out the site permits. But ARPE has, has been uh, delegated with all the powers to decide how you're going to subdivide your land, the subdivision part, which is where construction drawings get into. You have to subdivide your lands in such a way, and this is why you require, ARPE requires the endorsements of so many public bodies, so many commonwealth agencies. And the reason this project has not gotten off the ground is because the petitioner refuses to comply 
with our manual of procedures, which says you must bring construction drawings approved by all the, endorsed by all the pertinent agencies. And one of these agencies is the Environmental Quality Board, who has been asking since 1974 for the filing of a, an environmental impact statement. And petitioner refuses to do it because he believes that once he got approval to develop the land in that site among the mangroves, he does not have to comply with that. With that. The uh, Court of Appeals didn't decide the case on the, on the basis of an argument that you're making now. The Court of Appeals said, well, let's just, we'll just assume that there is a property interest uh, in this construction permit. Nevertheless, uh, there is no denial of, uh, there's no substantive due, no, no, no violation of substantive due process because just refusing to live up to state law doesn't state a claim. Uh, that's correct, Your Honor. Uh, now, are, are, you, uh, are you defending the Court of Appeals' basis for, for denying the substantive due process claim uh, or not? I, I agree that the court below, although it was very skeptical that uh, the petitioner had acquired a, uh, an entitlement to the permit protected mm -hmm. under the due process clause, it, they assume for all purposes all right. the argument. Now let's, let's, let's assume there is a property right in the construction what, the Court of Appeals. Now, now, do you defend the Court of Appeals' decision that nevertheless uh, uh, there's no uh, valid substantive due process claim? I defend it, Your Honor, because something more than an allegation of a five-year delay must be shown, must be shown because otherwise, this is, this is how a substantive due process well, is so marvelous. Appeals, Everything becomes constitutional. The Court of Appeals said, well, even if, even if ARPA or whoever it was, even if there was a violation of state law. State law, yes. State law, Puerto Rican law, that doesn't necessarily entitle uh, this developer to relief. The, the standard which the First Circuit was using is one that this is not enough. Something more is needed than merely an allegation that they have uh, illegally departed from state law or state procedures. Yeah. And I, def I defend that standard. I, you I defend that, but you also say that uh, uh, you have another ground, namely that there wasn't any property interest at all. Oh, yes, but, but this is because they are assumed the property interest. Yeah. The, the opinion from the court below also did the same. But, you, but I, take it you're, <clears throat> I take it as a respondent you're saying that you can affirm based on the fact based on the, on, the, on, 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 a, on the fact that there is no property interest at all in the construction permit. The, the court could do it as a matter of law, but the problem is that when this case comes to this court, it is different. It is no longer the construction permit itself, although that is the precise question in which this court has granted certiorari. It comes now uh, with a claim right recognized by this court in early zoning decisions that says that a landowner has a right to develop his land to any legitimate use. Now, our view now is that as far as petitioners relying on those zoning cases for that proposition, it, it is because he's trying to, to, to supply the deficiencies and the pleading which should have been, where are the statutory provisions in Puerto Rico or, or the, the, the positive law from where I can show the court that I derive a but right to a construction permit. So Ms. Ms. Ramirez, this perhaps follows up on Justice Weitzer. Uh, the sentence at the, uh, the last sentence in the Court of Appeals treatment of the substantive due process claim says, even assuming that ARPE engaged in delaying tactics 
and refused to issue permits for the Vasia Talega project based on considerations outside the scope of its jurisdiction under Puerto Rico law, such practices without more do not raise it to the level of violations of the federal constitution under a substantive due process label. So if we're going to review that judgment, we have to make the same assumptions that the Court of Appeals did, I think. That is correct, Your Honor. That's, uh, yes, we're defending the standard uh, from, from the policy view, of course, but this is because they assumed the existence of the property interest. It, it is correct. Uh, and the thing is... May, may I just raise a question here? They not only assumed the existence of a property interest, but they also assumed, I guess this is what... Paragraph 38 of the amended complaint says they assumed that there were deliberate, totally unjustified delays in processing. It was an arbitrary refusal to process. Didn't they make that assumption, too? I think the Court of Appeals did not go beyond the pleadings. It, it limited itself to the allegations in the amended complaint, and it is so, uh, there's a footnote and page one of the Court of Appeals opinion that says, I, we know that the district court went beyond the pleadings and got into the pretrial facts, but we're not going to go beyond that. So, the claim that is here before the court arises from paragraph 37 in the amended complaint. And that's page 137 in the joint appendix. And to that effect, both courts assumed that there had been what could be called an undue delay because the plans had been filed six years ago. But there's nothing about pretextual review, nothing about political considerations or improper motives. None of that is pleaded in the amended complaint. And if we're going to use a standard of review that requires us to look at the propriety of the granting of the motion in our favor under 12b-6, we are asking the court to limit itself to the amended complaint, the allegations. And finally, as a matter of yes. law, they raise a substantive due process claim. May, may I interrupt again? Supposing it's a fair reading of the complaint to say, A, we had a property interest here, and B, we had a, an application that was on file in 1982, and they, for no reason at all, refused to process it for six years. They, didn't, they weren't corrupt. They weren't whatever it was. They just arbitrarily said, we're not going to process this. Isn't that, the, on that state of facts, does that violate substantive due process? Your Honor, substantive due process, if it is con conduct that shocks the conscience, a five-year delay, I would say, does not shock the conscience. It is so often. It is is, so, that, is so that the question as you see it, then, whether a government agency can sit on its hands for five or six years, whether that, without any reason at all, they just aren't going to do their work, whether that shocks the conscience or not? Well, Your Honor, within the substantive due process context, but uh, the petitioner was mentioning the Ewing case, Regions of University versus Ewing, and this is the case that most closely resembles our case in the sense that because we're not dealing here with application of a means-ends analysis to a piece of legislation, which was, was, in, was, was involved in the zoning cases, what do you have? You have somebody who is unsatisfied with an adjudication, and the only case in, that comes to my memory is this Regents case, the Ewing case, where this court, and I believe the decision was unanimous, the court unanimously assumed the property interest in the continued enrollment in the medical program, then went on to assume that uh, there was a substantive uh, uh, due process claim. That means that, that kind of property uh, qualified for protection under the substantive component of the due process clause. And, 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 and it turned the case into a procedural one. It is judicial review to see whether there are facts that would reasonably support the decision that was made so that it cannot be called arbitrary. So if there is a case where 
where substantive due process and procedural due process overlap, this will be the case. This will be the case. He would need an adjudication to be satisfied that what happened was not arbitrary, that there was some grounds for the decision, and the problem is that he did not get an adjudication on the merits. So they deprived, the courts of Puerto Rico did not give him a, ch a chance to, to appeal on the merits because they denied discretionary review, which does not mean that he doesn't have other adequate state remedies. Well, he, he says he has no other state, state remedy. You say he does have a state remedy? Well, he does. He, he can go to, into and court. And he has court, right court damages and accuse Mr. Rodriguez. The only person here, the only respondent here is Mr. Rodriguez. The allegations have been going on that there's this conspiracy at ARPA, that high-level officials were involved. The only respondent here is Mr. Rodriguez. And all, all of the, uh, the, the pleadings in the complaint even, even sound like, like respondent superior, that he should answer because he was ARPA's chief, which is, which is a defense that we uh, promoted uh, in the courts below. So we, we, we really don't, don't what, he's, what petitioner is proposing now, would, would, throw, would throw away what we understand has been the, the analysis that this court does when it is presented with a substantive due process claim. Uh, you, you, need to, you need to find a fundamental interest. You need to allege a, a, an interest that is fundamental in the sense that it is a liberty interest, either, either deeply rooted in the nation's history or tradition, or, or because it is implied in the concept of order, liberty, Petitioner is admitting that it does not have a fundamental interest. This he admitted in, in his brief. Now in his reply brief at page 11, note 19, he admits that he does not have a liberty interest. So what do we have? Is this the kind of property interest that qualifies for substantive due process protection? Why should he rely on the court's early zoning decisions? It would be axiomatic to say that a landowner has a right to use his land or devote it to any legitimate use. That, that's only axiomatic. The court did say though, they say that. But it was said in another context when you were, when the court was examining, according to the economic due process substantive theories, uh, the substance of legislation, the substance of an ordinance, the, the substance of a piece of legislation and saying, well, it did or not arbitrary and capricious. So he has the court already uh, doing a referendum for his, for his uh, property right. The, the court has already said it. And I would be in an awful position if I, have, if I would have to argue to your honors that the court has never recognized a property interest in, in, in a, a landowner's uh, desire or wish to, to devote his land to any legitimate use. So there must be something else involved here. And if we don't have a fundamental interest, and if he doesn't have a liberty interest which has been qualifying for protection under the due process clause, then I don't know what he has unless it is a claim that there has been a wrongful adjudication of his claim, which sounds to me like procedural due process. If there are no more questions. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, the case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until Monday next at 10 o'clock.